to Bohannon for the win. Got it. Another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trenton Biz talking Hawkeye athletics with you. An unscheduled podcast here today, an emergency podcast, if you will. Biz, we got to talk about what we saw last night and one of the biggest epic, epic comeback victories for the Hawks. Never in doubt, Trent. I, I believed in them the whole way. Liar. Uh, 100% confident that we had that in the bag. So. Such a liar! I can't. I can't imagine anybody really believes that. Uh, I actually uh, about five minutes to go. I uh, got down on the floor and started playing Legos with my two-year-old, and uh, it was completely zoned out for a few minutes. And looked up, and it was an eight-point game. So, uh, about the moment I officially uh, gave in, uh, they turned it around. So, a complete 360, as our friend Lloyd likes to say, turned it around completely. And with it, Iowa pulls out the victory, 80 to 79. This one uh, will be remembered for a long time. A big part of certainly the memory will be the play of Jordan Bohannon late in the game, including the game winner. But he wasn't alone there. Wieskamp was really good down the stretch, the defense as a whole. And even the Isaiah Moss, that runner in the lane, a really difficult shot when they were down three. I had a feeling somebody was just going to jack up a bad three. Instead, he took it to the rim and kept them alive in that one. Of course, Northwestern misses uh, one of the free throws and then set up what uh, turned out to be the game winner from Bohannon. But not just Bohannon, a lot of directions you can go with this one, uh, the positivity to throw out. It's hard to find a more bizarre game because for 36 minutes, uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I mean, they got every friendly bounce. They were banking in shots. We were uh, missing layups left and right. And and then all of a sudden, the last four minutes, uh, it was like things completely flip-flopped and uh, – you know, the last four minutes of the game, we didn't miss a single shot, and they didn't do anything right. I mean, the moment, uh, if you remember, I went back and looked. With 4.40 to go in the game, we actually got a steal, uh, passed it up ahead to Bohannon, and, and he just boned a wide-open layup in the, in the open court. And uh, they got the rebound, went the other way, and converted and, and got up by 15. And, and that was kind of the moment when uh, I think everybody said, uh, it's officially over. And, and from that point on... Uh, we could not have played any better basketball. We went uh, four for four from the free throw line and seven for seven from the field in the last four minutes, and we needed uh, needed every one of them to pull out the miraculous win. Had to be perfect, and they will, and they do. Nineteen and five now on the season, and eight and five now in Big Ten play. Biz, this leads to certainly uh, some some illusions for people out there. What more this team can be? What more they can do? A big difference, and I, I think you put it beautifully last night. Uh, when we were texting back and forth about the game in our group chat, and you just said the the toughness component, I believe it was, says something along those lines. This is a game, obviously, this team would have folded up shop and lost a year ago, but this is it feels different than some of the past Fran teams. Do you see it that way? Well, it's easy to see it that way today after uh, you know after that comeback. You know, this is uh, you know I think we're going to talk about it a little more later, but this could be a, a season defining moment for this team because. Uh, the big thing is, you know, they don't play again to next Saturday. They'd have had a, a a week to linger about just how bad they played and how they blew a chance to uh, 
really get some momentum going. And now instead things flip-flop and you get a full week of talking about, uh, like you said, the team's toughness and their resiliency and their, their refusal to quit. So, you know, I think that's really kind of a hopefully changes the narrative for this team the rest of the year because, uh, as we know, Iowa fans are, are pretty uh, pretty fickle and willing to turn on the team pretty quickly. And I think after last night, uh, I think they'd have had plenty of people jumping off the bandwagon if they didn't didn't find a way to pull that out. I think so. That that's a Northwestern team that has a couple of talented guys. You know, Parton's a load inside. Vic Law was ridiculously good, especially in the first half, and he came in bad uh, in, in his five previous games. I think he was something like five of twenty from three point range, and even worse from two point range over his last five, and he caught fire. But the Iowa defense, and that was another point, uh, part of it that was so fun to watch is you and I growing up, kids of the 80s, and watching Dr. Tom and those teams and the press and how they could get back in games is doing it in that fashion, doing it with the, the pressure defense, the full-court defense, getting some deflections, getting some steals. That was another fun part, at least for me, a part of that comeback. Well, I thought all game long I didn't think our defense was – was that terrible? I thought more than anything, the worst part is our rebounding. We just rebounded horribly for the first thirty minutes, and uh, you know, it was just hard to watch. It was just uh, we came out flat, and then you know, once things kind of you know started to go downhill on us, we looked like a team that was just nervous. I mean, we looked like a team that was you know everything looked forced, and we just did not have any rhythm at all, and then. Uh, then the miracle happened, but uh, you know the one thing that I haven't really heard people talk about much, Trent. Uh, thank God for the kicked ball because uh, mm-hmm. that was not going to end well if there wasn't a kicked ball there. So, you know, we didn't have a timeout left, so we didn't have a choice. But uh, if that last ten seconds isn't Exhibit A down the road for uh, Fran to realize that in those situations, if we have a timeout, you better use it every single time. Uh, you know, it's been a thing we've talked about for years that we we don't handle those end of game situations well and uh it wasn't going to end well if they didn't kick the ball it gave us the opportunity to to reset and uh run a run at least a a decent play to get a decent look and unfortunately went down you know that that's something that like you mentioned we've talked about this a lot in the past and i i don't get fran not playing to his strengths this is one of his strengths is drawing up these plays and getting themselves good looks at the end of games and end of shot clock and on and on and on. Something that can't somebody in the coaching staff grab him and say, hey, you're good at this. How, how about you utilize one of your strengths here to set something up? Maybe this is going to be a harbinger, though, of realizing, hey, if we got a timeout in our pocket, let's use it. Drawing up something is better than just hoping that your team's going to work something out. You know, Trent, this is becoming a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a podcast trend of us uh-huh. hoping that Fran's going to adjust and uh, – at some point, we just need to stop hoping and realize it's not going to happen. But, you know, the thing is, if you've got Carson Edwards on your team or, uh, you know, somebody that can create in those situations, by all means, don't don't call a timeout. But the one thing we've never really had is somebody that can really create off the dribble. I mean, you know, the scores we've had, the Peter Jocks, the Utahs, were better uh, off the ball than they were with the ball. And so, you know, we've never had a guy that's just going to take over in those situations and create his own shot. So it, it's never made any sense to me why we don't uh, call a timeout and run a set play because we've always been kind of a a balanced scoring team and uh, in those situations like last night you know one of the things Fran talked about he ran a play that really had three or four options available unfortunately uh, the one that McCaffrey picked worked out but 
you know, it, it, it's never made any sense to me, and it never will. But hopefully, uh, it'll uh, cause some change, which we all know it won't. No, it won't. No, it won't, Biz. We are uh, stuck with the guy here, and well, there's worse places to be. Certainly for a basketball coach, even with his faults, Fran McCaffrey's done a good job. Overall, this team, the comeback, where it rates in history. Did you put Stat Boy to work? Has he come up with some other epic comebacks in Iowa basketball history? He did. We've got to think about uh, 10 of them to get through here. And, you know, the knee jerk reaction after such a crazy finish last night is to, is to think, is it the best comeback ever? And, and, uh, as you'll see when we go back in the time machine, Trent, the answer is clearly it was not. So uh, <laughs> it's, I believe, a top fiver, but uh, not anywhere near number one, I don't think. So you ready to, to hop back in the time machine and talk about uh, eight or nine of, of the best comebacks in Iowa history? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So uh, first one, you got to jump back to 1987. As we all know, a legendary Iowa team that started 18-0. and uh, Do you remember um, – the game at Illinois, which actually, from a pure numbers standpoint, uh, was the largest comeback ever in Iowa history. Uh, we were 15-0 and at the time, ranked number two, and went to number eight Illinois, and things looked pretty uh, pretty hopeless with 16 minutes to go. We were down... 22, down right? Yep, down 22, down 61-39 to at the 16-minute timeout, and... Uh, Came back and uh, somehow pulled out a victory in overtime. But uh, the amazing thing, Statboy sent me some information on that game. First, it's the largest comeback in Iowa history. But second, that was the 16th game of the year, and it was the sixth time that year that Dr. Tom's team had come back from double digits in some games. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, I don't remember. I don't remember that team having so many uh, crazy comebacks, but uh, I do remember the Illinois one, and it's uh, an all-timer. So. Uh, that's number one on the list. Number two is actually from that same year, the 87. Um, you go back, NC State and the Alaska shootout. Hmm. We were down 14 with 450 to play in that game, and we uh, we came back and won. But the, the crazy thing is, down 14 with 450 to go, we actually took the lead with 144 to go. So we, uh, it wasn't like last night where we had to use every last second. We actually... Uh, Made a crazy run and got the lead with with plenty of time to spare. So, uh, of those two, I think uh, I think we can clearly say that last night's probably falls behind the uh, the Illinois one, mm-hmm. given the, uh, the the amount that they're behind and, and just the competition they were looking at with the number eight team on the road. Yeah, just uh, a little bit different stakes there, and you can get into a lot of different things. But yeah, absolutely, that that one's going to be a little bit further down the list. Yeah, the next one, Trent, I'll let you actually take it because you're the one that mentioned it immediately last night. But you fast forward six years, 1993, what happened, Trent? Well, the, of course, tragic passing of Chris Street, but with it, the first game back, the Northwestern game, I think was moved to later in the year that they were supposed to play next. So their first game was a road trip out to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. And as you'd anticipate, I remember vividly watching that game it was a team completely out of sorts, as you'd anticipate. They just lost one of their teammates. But the last four minutes of the game, it was Val Barnes and it was A.C. Earl leading the comeback, forcing overtime, and then they won it there. Yeah, down down 17 with 5.30 to go, and almost identical to last night. They were down 10 with about 2.10 to go. So similar circumstances as far as uh, the crazy last two minutes, but uh, I, I don't think you'd find an Iowa 
fan in the world that, that would claim that last night's uh, comeback was better than that one uh, in 93. No, not at all. That that comeback victory, just everything else that goes along with it, obviously so, so huge for any Iowa basketball fan that was around, certainly during that time. And uh, it, it would take, I, I don't know, is there anything short of a Final Four? I mean, that, that could ever surpass that comeback. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have to certainly be an NCAA tournament game, and it would have to be an NCAA tournament game that uh, – led to an amazing season. So I'm not sure it necessarily has to be the game to get to the Final Four, but if it was a game in the tourney that, that eventually led to us getting to a Final Four or miraculously winning a title, then, then I think uh, you could make a strong argument. But, yeah, it's going to take a, a pretty, pretty amazing game to, to, to uh, surpass that comeback given the circumstances. So that's number one on the list. What else do we have? So we fast forward three more years. I think this is another one you'll remember. 1996, it's the only one on the list that happened in the NCAA tourney. Do you remember uh, who we were playing? Do you remember the circumstances? <laughs> well, I remember this one also very vividly because during this game, if it's the game that I'm thinking against George Washington, uh, I broke a window in my bedroom during it, throwing a, a ball in frustration of the Hawkeyes playing like crap against Yinkadare and what Rogers, I think was the little guy's name, that was out there. Came back and got the victory. Am I, am I on the right path? You are correct. Very mature of you. I hope, I hope Jewel was not injured. In this, so. yeah, she, she, she was not watching the basketball game with me. Yeah, we were down, again, you'll find out, uh, down 17 is kind of the magic number. It happens a lot. So down 17 with only eight minutes to go, finished on a 25-6 to six run, and it made Dr. Tom an incredible 7-for-7 seven seven in first-round games at that point. So uh, that one, again, I, I think uh, – Right now, we've probably already got three of them that I think you can make a strong argument that, that go down uh, above last night's comeback. So uh, we're already we've already dropped it down to number four. But as you'll see with the rest of them, I think you can make a strong argument that it, it may beat the rest of them on the list. All right, what else do we have? So we move into the next decade, 2001. Uh, this is a home game, and it's uh, we'll just referred to it as the Luke Record game. If you remember, this was the one um, after he transferred from Indiana. Uh, the Hoosiers come into Iowa City and, and absolutely embarrass us in the first half. Once again, the magic number uh, down 17 at the half. Record goes absolutely nuts in the second half. He scores 17, including 15 in the first eight minutes. We go from 17 down to three up in, in the seven-and-a-half-minute stretch and uh, actually cruise to a relatively easy uh, eight-point victory. So uh, the Luke Record game, uh, clearly a top tenner, but I, I think we could argue that Given the last-second uh, nature of last night, I think uh, Jabo's shot beats it. Yeah, yeah. That that one, though the comeback was epic, was very tight at the end, didn't have that same kind of ending to it. So though it was fun, I put it below, below the Northwestern one. Well, and speaking of Luke Recker, I think you can make an argument that Jabo's week, uh, when you combine the Indiana finish and last night, is probably as good of a, a clutch week as we've had since uh, since Luke Recker in the Big Ten tournament when he had the back-to-back uh, game winners so you know Recker and Jabo kind of connected a little bit in the, today's uh time machine ah, I like that I like that all right so we got the record game what else so the next one on the left Trent is not even a comeback but I, I promised that boy I'd at least talk about it because he really likes this one so uh the Justin Johnson game uh-huh. why why he wants to talk about it I have no idea because a it wasn't a comeback we lost and b it was a horrible team but 
Justin Johnson did hit six threes in the last two minutes, including five threes in the last 65 seconds. So uh, tip of the ball cap to Justin Johnson, but, but technically not a comeback, but a stat boy favorite. A stat boy favorite. They still lost that game. Yes, but yeah. every once in a while you just gotta throw Stat Boy a bone to keep him happy. We don't we don't pay him. We don't we don't give him anything else. So uh, if he wants to talk about Justin Johnson, we'll we'll talk about Justin Johnson. He he gets what he wants. All right, what else we got? So you gotta fast forward into uh, the current decade now, 2012. Trent, who can forget the legendary comeback against Gardner Webb? Uh, <laughs> Down, this was actually a bigger comeback technically than the uh, Illinois game, but it was a non-conference game. So down 23 to Gardner-Webb in the first half. We woke up and, and actually won by nine, and we're up by about 15 with five minutes to go. So a, uh, wow. an epic turnaround, but uh, not a comeback that you'd really think of too favorably. But the question for you on this one, a nugget found by Statboy, who was the Gardner-Webb coach back in 2012? Is it the guy that's the Butler coach now? Uh, no, it was the Butler coach a few years ago, but now he's the Ohio State coach. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, why can't I think of his name? Chris Holtman. Chris Holtman, yeah. I had no idea that Chris Holtman was at Gardner-Webb at the time. Well, Chris, Hol- he- Chris Holtman, th- this whole saga, I don't think college basketball fans as a whole know, A, he left Gardner-Webb and he was turning them around to take over as an assistant at Butler, which is odd, but also during that time, Butler, their head coach, was there for like a year and a half and then basically evaporated into thin air. He had air. like a mental breakdown or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, it's such an odd story. That that would be that might be a good summer conversation that I'm going to have on my radio program because that is just – what was that guy's name? Was it Chris Miller? I think that's what the guy's name was. Regardless, what a if weird – weird only Licklider would have had a mental breakdown at Butler, we the, – the, <laughs> The course of Iowa basketball history could have been totally changed, Trent. Brad Stevens, huh? Yes, because we could have just had Brad Stevens, and things would be. Uh, but we wouldn't. We probably wouldn't be talking about the Jable miracle last night. Very so it true. All, it all worked out in the end. It worked out in the end. All right, we got any more comebacks? Two more to go. Two more, both within the last couple of years. Um, Purdue game, 2016. We go to Purdue, a ranked number 14 Purdue. Uh, again, the magic number, down 17 at the half. Came back and, and won relatively convincingly, one by seven. So uh, another nice comeback, but, but not quite as impressive uh, as the crazy one last night. And then you've got last year's win at Illinois, um, mm, yeah. down 20. So the second largest comeback in Big Ten history uh, for the Hawks. But the caveat on that one is it's just two bad basketball teams. Illinois stunk last year. We stunk last year. So you can't... Uh, you can't put that one anywhere near the top either. So when you break it down, I think you probably clearly say this is probably the number four comeback in Iowa history. I think uh, the Chris Street game, clearly number one. Probably the uh, George Washington and or uh, Illinois games, two and three. And then you've got this one uh, falling in comfortably at number four. Pretty good spot to be. Pretty good spot. I remember the Purdue game. I watched the end of that in the St. Louis airport, I think it was, on the way back from the Rose Bowl. And I uh, had to flip it on, watch the last oh, four minutes or so. As we took off, things weren't looking very good, but uh, they came roaring back and got that one or maybe even had Wi-Fi on air, whatever it is. Got to see the end of the victory against Purdue, and you're right, the, the Illinois one, two bad basketball teams. It, it was the only one during that stretch where I would continually got down double digits on the road that they actually came back and won uh, during that ugly streak. But that ugly streak is over. 
Now they get Rutgers up next. Uh, another kind of streak. Are they going to start to go on a winning streak here on the road with Rutgers on deck next? Rutgers is not a bad basketball team. and they're, I watched them play a few games. They're going to give us fits. They've got uh, some, some athletes, and uh, they've got a couple big guys that are decent as well. So the thing with them is that they're just not a very good shooting team. So if we can go out there and, and bring our defense with us, which has been <laughs> questionable at best on the road, if we bring our defense with us to Rutgers, I'm pretty confident we win. But uh, if we uh, if we do like we did against the Gophers, because I don't know if you followed the Gophers since we played them, the Gophers struggled to score 60 against yes. anyone, and they scored 90 against us. So if we uh, we don't play defense on the road, it ain't going to happen. But uh, after last night's game, Trent, who am I to say the Hawks aren't going to uh, win everything the rest of the way out? Well, you were playing Legos. I was finally getting our fantasy NFL playoffs uh, pool figured out. Yeah, thanks for doing that, Trent. Very timely. Very hey, timely. It was better last year. I think it was March before I got to it last year. So I'm improving, making improvements. I actually came back. I, I thought I was going to be in, like dead last, but I, I, I got back to the middle of the pack at least. So uh, you know, the, meaty, the meaty part of the curve, I didn't embarrass myself. My favorite part of that is you and Bates had the exact same team. We copied each other's team. So. Great minds think alike, you and Bates. Darn right. <laughs> With that, Biz, uh, we uh, probably, yeah, we're not going to be back together this week. I got state wrestling going on here, so I'm going to be incredibly busy. So I guess we will talk again after the matchup with Rutgers next week, and then what's on tap after the Rutgers game? I can't even remember offhand. Uh, Maryland at home Maryland and Indiana at home. At home. They, put, they go from playing, like, Three games in the last three weeks to playing three games in six days. They go uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday. So uh, they better they better rest up this week because uh, things get things get busy quickly next week. So I'm also at least part of next week. John, I'm in Des Moines, so maybe we need Ooh. to have a uh, an in person podcast where I get to check out this new uh, this new glorious studio. The new palatial studios at KXNO. I think we can probably find time to make that happen and. Yeah, you can see, check out the new digs. That'll be fun and take me out to lunch. Or maybe I'll take you out to lunch with our new uh, podcast uh, sponsors that we have. I can't promise if, uh, yeah, yeah, that's good news. I heard we're making big money now, Trent. But I can't promise if I'm in the studio and I see Chris Williams that I may or may not, uh, may or may not punch him. We'll see, oh, so. Chris is a good guy. You got, well, I'm sure he is, but he hosts a pro- program called the Cyclone Fanatics. It's like, that's one major strike against him, obviously. Starting behind the eight ball, but he likes light beer. He, he likes to party. He's a good guy. You, you'd like Chris, I'm sure. All right. After after I punch him, I'll pick him up, and we'll go have a beer together. There you go. All right, Biz, we will talk as again. You, as, oh. you, as you've known me, Trent, I, I'm more of a talker than an actual fighter. I'm uh, sure if I, if I attempted to start anything... Uh, I don't know Chris Williams, but I'm confident he could beat me in a fight. Well, I know both of you guys, and I don't think it'd be much of a fight. It wouldn't. It wouldn't look very good, I think, on either side of it. But that, be, a lot, be a lot of hand slapping. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's certainly the direction that it would be. Biz, before we get out of here, you got a business beat for us. Hey, kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. <sighs> I do, Trent. So I, we we both uh, failed to mention last week the, uh, or maybe it happened but since the last podcast. But uh, once again, Gary Barda has uh, found another position. So uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, the quote of eighty uh, percent of success is just showing up. But I feel like that applies perfectly for Gary Barda. He uh, is now part of the wonderful playoff selection committee. So let's both keep our fingers crossed, Trent, and just. 
think that he maybe maybe he shows up enough over the next three years that when the Bill Hancock decides to uh, step down as the, the head person at that committee, maybe they will just hand that over to Barda and he can continue to uh, stumble his way upwards, and we will have a uh, an AD opening at the University of Iowa down the road. So we can only dream. I think yeah, I, I think you've already got it. You sound like maybe you could be you could be his agent. Clearly, we know how well he handles agents, considering uh, contract negotiations in the past. What's uh, what's Ferentz's agent's name again? He uh, Neil Cornrich. Neil Cornrich clearly uh, clearly has taken uh, Gary Barter to the woodshed in the past. So he, I, I'm confident I could probably I can't do any worse than that. Let's put it that way. Any idea who Fran McCaffrey's agent is? The same. I don't know. No, I, I know that Cornrich he does a lot with the University of Iowa, but. I don't know who Franz is. So I could see Franz just doing it himself. Yeah, probably. And then yelling across the table a couple of times. That would be an interesting conversation. That aside, Biz, we are out of here. We'll talk again next week. All right. Good luck.